0: Welcome to Spinning Out. I'm your host, Josh Robbins. This is a podcast where we talk to guests about their favorite albums. Took a little bit of time off, maybe a week and a half or so, but we're back. Okay, today we're talking about Marshall Gallagher of the band Teenage Wrist. We talked about Smashing Pumpkins' 1995 album, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. We also talked about long albums and how we used to digest them differently. And can a person truly redeem themselves and what does that mean for their art? Teenage wrist released Earth is a Black Hole in 2021, and as you'll hear in the conversation, are in the studio recording a follow-up as we speak. Don't forget to check out our Patreon, that's patreon.com slash spendingoutpod. My co-host Sarah and I, we listen to records we liked a lot when we were younger, and revisit them as much older and jaded individuals. You can subscribe for as little as $1 a month, or more, and you'll get an exclusive episode every week. Honestly, you don't want to miss out, so please subscribe. Follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram at outpod. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave a comment, and I hear reviews definitely help. Okay, let's chat with Marshall.
1: Hey, Marshall, how's it going? Hey, not too bad. Just uh, hanging out in sunny Koreatown, Los Angeles. I just bought a bed at Ikea. Oh. Ah. And uh, <laughs> yeah, life is good. Yeah, it's
0: always good to have a new bed. <laughs> um, <laughs> kind of recently, well, sort of recently, whatever. Time's weird. Um, my dog is getting a little older, so we bought a whole new like bed frame set up because the dog was having issues like jumping into bed. Aw. So essentially every kind of piece of furniture around our house, uh, <laughs> is lower. I feel like we're replacing. <laughs> yeah, Just so like, so if we have guests, like more so like, I don't know, like grandmothers or in-laws or whatever, uh, they struggle with it, but our dog is very comfortable um, <laughs> on these things. So that's really all that matters. I don't have children or anything, so.
1: Yeah, well, so, yeah. The, the dog is the child.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So just make sure she's comfortable. We're like sitting on the floor and you yeah. know, all that stuff just so she's Has a comfortable life. We're
1: easy, you know? Fuck fuck the humans.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But, all right. So today we are talking about Smashing Pumpkins' album, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. And what I'll ask is, when was the first time you heard this band or this album?
1: Oh, so this, I believe, if I remember correctly, was my introduction to the Smashing Pumpkins. And that had to have been probably about 1998 or so. I think I was 11 or 12. I I can't recall like exactly, exactly, but yeah, the album had already been out for a while, but it was new to me. Yeah. Um, a buddy of mine who was like a year older than me and was responsible for basically shaping my music taste at that, (laughs) at that point had showed me the pumpkins and, um, just from what I had heard, I was like, okay, I was kind of in that phase where I was just, you know, kind of down to buy whatever CD was recommended to me. So I went for it and, um, yeah, I, I just, it it was a deep dive, but it turned out to be maybe the most important record that I would ever, uh, come across.
0: Yeah. I remember I couldn't figure out why this musician dressed like, the skateboarder Jamie Thomas, but then I think I realized later on that it was like the other way, you know, because <laughs> like the every basically everyone wearing the like zero shirt.
1: Oh yeah, know?
0: yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, I assume that's kind of like him first. If it's like it's like Billy Corgan's, you know, outfit around this time frame. So, see, I wasn't I sure you know. what came
1: first because because I I was actually wondering that too because there was zero the skateboard brand. Yeah. And then zero the Billy Corgan t-shirt which eventually it just got, you know, mass produced and I th- I think I still have mine. I have my zero long sleeve t-shirt. It's it's got to be like 20 something years old by now.
0: Yeah. I feel like it's like it definitely was like, you know, clothing brand and all that stuff before, but it's like kind of just codified that look, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> between between Billy Corgan and the skateboarder, Jamie Thomas, like, I'm not sure who's exactly first, but yeah. that became the look, like, everyone for, yeah. like, a minute. Oh, you yeah. You know, like, the early 2000s. Including
1: like, myself. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that was me. Yeah, there were, like, kind of two looks. Uh, I feel like there was, like, the kind of zero kind of kid or the kind of more, like, colorful wearing, like, hookup shirts or birdhouse. Those were the kind of two skateboard looks. Oh, yeah. 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 I was more yeah. I was
1: more of an <laughs> element guy. No or elements. I can't even remember now. It's been so long since I've been on an actual skateboard.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I remember, um, I mean, I haven't like ridden a skateboard. I primarily BMX, but like, I remember those little things. I don't know how deep into like skateboarding or whatever you were, but there was always like, I feel like if someone told me like a skate brand or something, and then if it wasn't like cool enough, I would be like, Hmm. You know, did, did you did you have that thing in school? You know, like everyone was a poser, or they weren't.
1: You know, I was a poser. I was. <laughs> I mean, I'm definitely one hundred percent. Yeah. Like into the fashion, into the culture. Mm-hmm. I had like skate magazines coming to my house and shit. And I was so bad at skateboarding. Like, yeah, I, I never got. I good could at barely skateboarding. ollie. You know, and like, yeah. I actually, <laughs> this makes me even more of a poser. I got into rollerblading. Like, oh,
0: I did the same first. Because <laughs> yeah, like, it's like I just had rollerblades. So I was like, oh, I guess I'm a rollerblader because I already have them.
1: Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> and it was so much easier than skateboarding. So yeah. I could actually, like, kind of tear it up on rollerblades. But then, like, you know, at the end of the day, that just made me look even more lame. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, like, that's kind of why I got into BMX because I was like, it was like, I already felt that rollerblading wasn't cool, and then BMX was kind of like second place, so it wasn't as cool. But I was like, "But I already have a BMX, so it's just going to be so much easier." So at least I'll be like not, you know, the most annoying person. You know, being a rollerblader, I'll just kind of <laughs> move to second place. Yeah, you know? yeah. I think but, I yeah. think
1: BMX was was the the most like if you showed up at the skate park, like. Everyone be like, God damn it. (laughs) Like, now we have to watch out for this guy. Like, you know, he's going to potentially run us over. And, you know, he's got this big ass piece of gear. And, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. But I I think probably that was the hardest one to master. Yeah, probably.
0: I I don't know. I mean, I I guess it's just, it's almost like playing music. It's, it kind of depends what you put into it, you know? Yeah, I guess Um, so. You know, so it's like, you know, sometimes people are like, oh, is bass easy? And you're like, I mean, sometimes (laughs) sometimes you know, <laughs> sometimes you know it's like you know i don't know you know it depends kind of what you're doing like you know uh but yeah so i guess it depends what you're doing i mean i always felt like rollerblading was easy but then again i can't do any of that stuff so i wouldn't have <laughs> any way of knowing but that always felt like i said oh it's got to be a lot easier just to kind of like jump downstairs you know yeah But i mean but sure. i don't know <laughs> the,
1: the other thing about but, rollerblades though is you can't like. Like bail on it, you know. If if you if you are in the air, it's not like you can just bail off your skateboard, and land on yeah. your feet. It's like you're you're landing on wheels or you're not landing at all, you know. <laughs> so, I guess in that sense, it was more of a, I don't know, commitment. But also the the rollerbladers that I knew were just like, kind of, dickheads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like they they weren't cool. All it was all the cool kids like were skateboarders. Yeah. All the yeah. nice guys, you know.
0: Yeah, do I wonder if that was like them overcompensating?
1: Yeah, probably.
0: Yeah, probably. Yeah, as we're older, kind of looking back on like children <laughs> versions of ourselves, you know. Uh, which I don't know. Overcompensating makes me think a lot about this uh, record today.
1: <laughs> you know? Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> so how how much of a fan are slash were you just before? Uh, so I can you know kind of just gauge who I'm talking to here.
0: Well, a lot of. A lot of the point of this podcast is, like, I'm trying not to be a hater. So I do like going back and revisiting things that I, you know, like, just felt like I never really gave a fair shake. So it is interesting to kind of, like, put something in the context of its time and kind of appreciate it for that. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I think there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot we can load up on Billy Corgan as, like, a present figure, almost a meme at this point. (laughs) But trying to think of, like... Billy Corgan 1995 was like what I, you know, tried to go into with this, this record. Right. You know? yeah. So completely different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Completely. Different.
1: <laughs> or, or so I would like to think.
0: Yeah. I think, I think so. But I think in some ways he's not, but there, I'm so, what I'm saying is I feel really conflicted even after spending all this time with this record because there's so much I enjoy about this record but I, it's just too long. Like, it's like, <laughs> I don't, I appreciate that, like, they overwrote. I appreciate all the things that they were doing kind of different than a lot of the time, you know, mm-hmm. um, but it's just no one, it just kind of, every time I would get done with the record or, like, listen to it and, like, breaks, it's a, it's a, it's a two-hour long album, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's... And so I'm like, every time I'd get done, I'm like, that's, it's, un, I can't come to a point where this is necessary to be this long right and i guess you didn't feel that when you were a kid
1: yeah well that's i don't know that that's a, a conversation i have with the the beginning of a conversation that i i've been having with a lot of people recently which is like your formative years in mm-hmm. in you know listening to music just kind of uh j- just bulldoze everything else right and yeah. so so whatever you started with you know, that's that's inevitably where you end up, even if you change a lot as a person, even if your, your musical tastes change, like you can still listen to the same material that you were listening to in middle school or whatever. And like all the words come back, every single yeah. note comes back. It doesn't even necessarily matter if you liked it, but it's so deeply embedded in your brain that like you appreciate it on a different level. And so yeah. that's that's I'm sure that's what's going on here with with me and with everything pumpkins related. But yeah. I don't know, e- even as a 30 something adult, like I look back and I discover new things about this record all the time that I love.
0: I Yeah, I was trying to uh, I was looking at my phone real quick. I was trying to figure out how much of a hypocrite I was because <laughs> I uh when I was whatever age, like around the time I think you were discovering this record, like for some reason, like my brother brought home like Wu-Tang forever. So for a second I was like, how long is that record? You know, it's a two disc, but it's, it's it? shorter oh, yeah. than
1: Wu-Tang is two discs.
0: Yeah. And, but I was like, but it's like, it might as well, when you get after, I think it's like a 90 minute record or something. Like, I don't know, they're splitting it up into like the disc, which they don't really do here. They just say it's 121 minutes. So this, it's like, Disc one is 44 minutes. Disc two is 67 minutes. So I'm trying to like add. So that's like 100. I don't know, like 110 minutes or something like that. So uh, wait, that's a 10 minute difference, right? I, just, so, I just, you you <laughs> yeah. lost
1: me when you started adding numbers. I think together. all of
0: that math was wrong. Like, there's no <laughs> way any of it was right. The point but, is, so, okay, double yeah.
1: disc is way too long. Yeah, especially in the case of Wu Tang Forever, because. Oh man. Like there's some some great tracks on Wu-Tang Forever, but m- I feel like most of that album is just a 1000% filler and just Yeah. you know. Were there skits on that record? Oh yeah,
0: there's tons. <laughs> they do like a thing where they uh they I mean they they kind of like put that interstitial music underneath it, but the, it's mm-hmm. still skits, yeah, you know. So yeah. it kind of flows. It gives it but there's just straight up skits and they're really just like skits of them kind of like saying homophobic slurs back and forth, you know, it was, it was 97, you know, but it's just like, you know, it's just kind of like, fuck you back and forth. It's just kind of that ribbing kind of thing, you know? Uh, yeah. so yeah, Which Smashing Pumpkins totally doesn't necessary. have any of that. Thank <laughs>
1: Christ. Smashing Pumpkins doesn't have any of that on, yeah. on, on any of their records. Cause I'm sure it would have been quite bad.
0: <laughs> yeah, it would have been really bad. Um, uh, But they do have the kind of like uh, Echo the Dolphin kind of interstitials a lot on this record, though. You know, the uh, like, well, actually, I do like this track. So it sounds like I'm making fun of it. But Porcelina Mm of the Vast Oceans, I think, is a good example of that. But there are like 10 other, uh, maybe not actually 10, but it feels like 10 other tracks that have that kind of vibe Mm -hmm. on the record. I don't think it's as many as 10. So that kind of makes me think, I'm like, how many is too many sort of like, I want to say ambient, but it's not really like ambient in the sense of ambient music, but like how many of those tracks do you feel like are necessary for this oh, record? Oh, Or maybe we should go back to like the- thinking about like you discovering it. Maybe <laughs> we should start there.
1: Yeah, We wow. You, you said we were going to go on tangents and man, we have just... We've just, gone on so many Yeah, we've we've explored some far reaches, but um okay, so we'll come back to Porcelino the Vast Oceans. We'll come back to that later. But me discovering the record was I mean, top down listening to it. Like it it for for me it was just impressive um as a first time listener to hear them cover so many genres, you know, and, and so many, like, musical, um, I guess, tangents, <laughs> you know, like, different, different set- like, it, you know, the, the record opens with a, a classical piano piece and then mm-hmm. goes into this, like, power ballad. And then yeah. immediately after that, it's, like, a blazing, fuzzy rock song. And then there's just a smash radio hit after that. And none of them sound like each other at all. So like as a 12 year old kid, I'm like, okay, this is keeping my attention, you mm-hmm. know, and some of them, you know, I, I would just immediately skip as, as a 12 year old, Yeah. like Cupid de or whatever. And that's, I think is the, another one that you're talking about with the, the, what was it? How did you describe it? The echo, the dolphin.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever play that game I, as a kid? I,
1: I saw it being played. I, I, yeah. it looked a little bit, I don't know. I I never was was interested in playing it.
0: (laughs) Well, there was like a, there's more of a, so basically the music to that, I don't know, if you you play like Donkey Kong Country, it's Mm kind of like the underwater music. That's like (laughs) the whole Echo the Dolphin is just all the underwater music of Donkey Kong Country. But the premise to Echo really quick is that there is an alien that takes all the life forms from the ocean. And so Echo has to like find his family and then fight aliens at the end of it. Okay, but you don't think about that as a kid because you're just kind of like running through the ocean. But just in case anyone was wondering what Echo the Dolphins about, you know,
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's basically so, the Book of Scientology as a yeah. video game.
0: Yeah, basically. Uh, but well, what's funny is I was like, I kind of made a list of songs that I I would keep, and I tried to not cut too many of those because I asked some friends. I was like, that were that are bigger Smash and Pumpkins fans. I was like make me a version of this record that's 45 minutes long. <laughs> and they were like, it's first good, they good were exercise. like, I can't do it. The record is perfect as it is. And I was like, I knew you would say that, but like, just just try and humor me, you know? And so, you know, a few people did. And I feel like I agreed with a lot of their things, but one thing I think they ended up kind of overcompensating because I think that they cut out some of those, we'll call them ambient tracks. Mm-hmm. And I think the record does need them. I just don't think they need like eight of them. So Cupid Delac was one of the ones I would have kept totally on this record and like Porcelina, like I was saying, but you know, there's, I don't know, like it's like going from like Cupid Delac into like Galapagos. I'm just like, I don't think you don't really need kind of two back to back that are kind of doing this kind of vibe, but I do like that they set these vibes outside of the kind of like tracks that we know.
1: Yeah. You know I, I wonder how much really was like how much how much effort and thought was put into the sequencing of this record. Like sometimes I'm like, this doesn't make any sense, but other times it's like well like like what you just said, um I I feel like Galapagos is a, a perfect segue into the next track from Cupid to Locke.
0: It, yeah, and it could be. I think it's almost like one or the other, and for some reason I picked Cupid, but like mm-hmm. It does, like you're saying, I I wonder if there was as much time spent on the actual sequencing because, you know, it's like if someone were like, hey, I want to cut Cupid Delock," but, you know, and then Billy was like, no, we got to keep, we, we can cut that one, but I really want to keep Galapagos or something like that. Like, and I'm like, okay, sure. That, that creates like a point you're defending mm-hmm. the reason behind it, you know, but yeah, it's just, it's kind of like all too much. Like I, I like the idea of it's like he's going through the history of rock music <laughs> all in yeah. one record. Like, and there's even like things where it's like, you know, they're like Sergeant Pepper'sy kind of track, like the couple that like James sings, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. That, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just kind of all too much, but none of it, none of it feels like it goes too off base than a, what I would expect, mm-hmm. but it's just like, I don't need this much of this whatever you're painting it's still too much like I feel like it creates a good picture it's just like like did, did you you said you bought it a few years after it came out yeah. so I don't know if like the, the CD was like new so the, maybe you bought like a used CD or the, was the it
1: the CD was new and I think this was one of those records that just like Took off, and and I could be totally wrong here, but mm-hmm. I was hearing it on the radio, you know, yeah. all the time, and I still do. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think that you know the three year gap uh, between release and me discovering it was like too much of a difference in, in popularity and in, in newness, because I don't know there there were so many songs on that record that were stretched into you know long yeah. long standing singles. And are you from the, like, L.A. area? No, I'm from Colorado originally.
0: Oh, okay. Because recently I uh, talked to someone that was uh, in L.A. And they talked about essentially kind of the same kind of correlation. They were like, I was discovering, you know, Everclear record. But it was, like, three years after it Mm -hmm. came out. But it didn't feel like it mattered, you know. And it was, like, on KROQ, like, it was just... It was on all the time. It felt yeah. Like. So so that's why I was wondering with yeah. that. But yeah, so kind of like, I don't know if it was a big city in Colorado, but I feel like I remember the same thing. I feel like Smash and Pumpkins just stayed on the radio. You know, yeah,
1: those hits. Yeah, from my memory. modern rock radio. It was just you know it was just forever there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So. Uh, so uh, I was kind of thinking of like the relationship that we kind of have listening to records. Maybe part of this is being older, but I think everyone kind of has this different relationship. Like as a kid, if I had been into Smashing Pumpkins, I think I was probably I was buying too much No Effects at that time. <laughs> yeah. You know. So similar but, like,
1: voices, though. Oddly enough.
0: <laughs> oddly enough, yes. Um, I would have turned over a CD and been like. Oh, this has a lot of tracks. That's like, you know, more bang for my buck. Right. You know, totally. like, so I would have, if I had the money to buy the CD, because someone was mentioning this was like $25 new, mm-hmm. like when you got it, which is crazy back then. Uh, like, uh, but so I may not have been able to afford it, which might have been the reason, the sole reason why I didn't get it, because I could have gotten like two pop punk CDs mm-hmm. for the price mm-hmm. of this one CD. So even though it had 28 tracks, I would be more likely to buy Pennywise and no effects. You you, you could have just
1: bought the, uh, the MXPX record that has like 32 tracks on it. That's one CD.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think for some reason, like I never super got into MXPX, even though like I was raised on like Christian music Oh, because I feel like it was like, I can get that at home. You know, like if I'm (laughs) spending my own money, you know, like it's, I'm going to, I'm going to get something, you know, that's, evil or wh- whatnot mm-hmm. you know so all that to say i you know so i assume kind of that feeling of kind of listening to it as we did when we were younger like we had so much more time i know that seems like a general thing so i do remember kind of like i put on wu-tang forever and then just kind of lay there until mm-hmm. it's done <laughs> like you know that's so i assume that's probably your approach to like listening to this record when you were a kid.
1: Oh, 100%. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I spent countless hours with this record, like just yeah. sitting in my room. You know, it, was, it wasn't it was like I was driving around listening to it. It wasn't like I was, you know, like bumping it on my parents' sound system. I didn't want them to hear it. <laughs> yeah. I I was spending time alone in my room with headphones, you know. Yeah. And so that, it was just, it was so intimate. You know, like any anything, you know, not just this record. It was anything I was into at the time. Like, it just it required a different level of attention, I think. And and that's probably a big reason why I would say this record is perfect. Uh, yeah. You know?
0: I think so. And I think that's that's almost why I can't really digest it now mm-hmm. is because, like, I, I know I'm someone who does a podcast, so I feel like I, it's like I'm aware of myself. I don't feel like I have the time to kind of, Sit there and do nothing for like two hours, you know? Yeah, well, you know, like I'm gonna do a bunch of other things, and I think this record wants your attention totally for two hours, dude. I
1: feel that way about any music now. Like, for me to sit down and listen to a record front to back, like that's that's got to be something really special, you know? For so forget a double record, I'm not sitting down and listening to that. There's yeah. no way. I think this is
0: this technically so for vinyl it's a triple lp yeah it's Uh, (laughs) i
1: think it's might be four
0: it may yeah it might be um and like i mean it's 28 tracks and none of the tracks are like short tracks so it's not like a guided by voices kind of thing (laughs) like each one is like its own kind of like journey you know journey but i it's interesting to think kind of like what the influences are going into this record because just trying to like think about like what was in his head because actually when i listen to it now outside of kind of the tracks that i've heard for years even the way it starts makes me think of some version of like almost like motley Crue in a way and i don't mean that in like a bad way interesting i don't dislike them but it's like the way the record starts it kind of makes me think of like home sweet home you know (laughs) (laughs) okay all right and I'm like I guess he would have been that would have been a big reference in his head you know like that kind of era of rock totally you know and it's sort of like I feel like when a band like Nirvana came around you know they were kind of like willing to dismantle what was before Mm -hmm. but I feel like someone like the correlation seems funny what I'm about to say someone like uh Billy Corgan and also someone like Rivers, in a way I feel like they're so like ingrained mm-hmm. to that kind of glam or, you know, uh hairband kind of thing, they can't really divorce themselves from that.
1: Definitely and not.
0: And so their idea, Weezer and Smash and Pumpkins in much different ways, I feel like they're trying to like recontextualize that period of time.
1: Maybe subconsciously you know yeah. like I don't even know if it was a because you wouldn't uh, personally I don't hear any of that unless I like <laughs> I, I know that going in I'm like n- hearing you say it just now I'm like okay yeah that makes total sense and you know knowing a few things about what what Billy Corgan likes to listen to is like it definitely helps but I wasn't thinking about that as a kid um, no yeah you wouldn't it's yeah, it's though. funny though you say that because they, they were all kind of lumped into this one movement you know the grunge thing like they yeah. they fell into that category somehow and even mm-hmm. like you know a band like Soundgarden ended up next to Nirvana or like Tad and they were ju- they were just trying to be Led Zeppelin yeah and you know Billy Corgan was just trying to be Motley Crue or Cheap Trick or something like that and you know they they all have their influences and then to, to end up in a place with Nirvana and Mudhoney next to those same kinds of bands. It's like insane because they're totally conflicting, you know, ideologies yeah. essentially, you know?
0: Yeah. Like Mudhoney guys in Nirvana, the same would have been like, you know, rock stars are really stupid, but I feel like, you know, like someone like Billy Corgan is like, well, I don't know about that. You know, like, I feel like it's like clearly, and I think it's been said in interviews, like, he wanted to be a rock star. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, like, they wanted to create, like, a rock opus, you know? Like, they weren't trying to, like, dismantle that. They were potentially just trying to, like, recontextualize it for, like, a 1995 and then later audience, you know? So, I you know, it's... but, But I also think that that's, like... That's more honest for someone like Billy Corgan to do that. Instead, like, if... If Nirvana was like, you know, Kurt Cobain's actual like honest representation of how he felt about music, then Smash and Pumpkins is that for Billy Corgan because it's a rock record and kind of the glam kind of thing, but you know, so I'm kind of saying some of the same things that I already said, but it I don't begrudge the record because it's it feels honest. It's just too long.
1: <laughs> totally. <what> I mean. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. But to that point, I do feel like You know, well, 95 was a little bit later than some of those other records coming out that we were talking about, but there was a point in, like, all of these kinds of bands where they all started to kind of fan out, you know, and, like, separate genre-wise, and they started to go really off the rails, you know? Mm -hmm. And it was was usually around their third record, it seems like. And so this one was just... Them going completely off the rails, and trying a whole bunch of new shit that they hadn't even thought about before, and just throwing everything at the wall. And sure, it's it's way too much, but I also appreciate the idea of it more than any of their other records, you know. Because okay, that's interesting. Yeah, you know, like because yeah. they didn't try to keep it succinct. They didn't try to do the same thing as they did on their last two records. They just did whatever the hell they wanted to do some of it turned out you know uh, obviously a, a triumphs and and some of it was just filler in some people's ears and i don't know i thought that was cool
0: <laughs> yeah yeah so you feel like because sometimes when i feel like i pick like if someone asked me what my favorite record is Depending on like what the band is, it's like it could just change every day or something. You know, it's like, what's your favorite Dinosaur Jr. record? I'm like, I, I don't, you know, it's just I'll just pick one in that moment. But do you feel like unwaveringly melancholy is your favorite Smash and Pumpkins record? I
1: see, yeah, it it wavers, <laughs> it does waver. Okay. Right now, currently, it's my favorite. I think I've probably spent a little bit more time with Siamese Dream, and that overall has kind of influenced my trajectory as a musician a little bit more, and I'm I'm a little bit more familiar with that record, so that you know that that comes in in close second and sometimes finds itself in first. Yeah. Uh. But, yeah. Overall, it's it's a tie between those two.
0: Yeah. But well, that could be like I don't know, like I guess think of a movie that's like three and a half hours long or something. It's <laughs> like you feel like it's your favorite movie, but how often do you actually go back and revisit it because of the sheer length of time that movie is? Like I would assume that that's kind of where this kind of stands. You're like, I know I really like it, but
1: yeah, do well, I, you know, now now I have the luxury of being able to just skip. <laughs> any yeah. any of those songs if I don't want to hear them, you know, which I, I like, you obviously had on CD too, mm-hmm. but for some reason now it's just like my my musical ADD is just off the charts, and uh, yeah. so yeah, it's it's much easier for me to hop around and pick my favorite tracks off the record, which you know sometimes I want to hear a deep cut, but yeah. other times I just want to hear fucking you know bull with butterfly wings. <laughs> And do you
0: feel like is liking this record? Is that like a shared view in your band, or do you feel like you have to like almost like, like let's say you get the desire to put this record on in like the van? <laughs> is that like a shared thing?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's that's one of the bands that we can all kind of agree on. Okay, you know, yeah. Um, I personally don't know too many people. Who like are anti Smashing Pumpkins? Maybe that's. it yeah. In fact, I've met several other people who it's you know their favorite band, like ever. And I, I think,
0: yeah. <laughs> so I think that sometimes what I think I actually realized with revisiting this is that. Well, I've kind of done this with so many bands in the past, like. It's like even with the Beatles, like I feel like people talk about the Beatles obviously in a way that no band when you actually sit down and listen to them could technically rise to that occasion. So I feel like when I got the chance to like really dive into Smash Pumpkins, it's kinda like they had already set <laughs> the bar so high mm. for me. And I was also dealing with like kinda like everyone dressing like i don't know it's like it. it's like i i came into this record being like man i was just like a big hater for so many years for like no reason you know
1: but yeah i I can say that about a lot of things (laughs) hated it for no reason and then came around to really love it yeah most of the things in my childhood actually you know
0: (laughs) well it's like i would i feel like i would be like uh i would tell people like oh man billy corgan is not a good singer but then essentially all of the bands I like, none of them are good singers.
1: Totally. Yeah, and <laughs> you know, that's that's something I think about every time I put on the Smashing Pumpkins is like, god, this guy's voice is just like I don't know how I don't know how they got so massive with a guy that is with a, a guy like too. this singing. Yeah. And the only reason I can come up with is because he doesn't sound like anyone else. And there's there was so much room for that, I think, especially in the 90s. You know, like there was it was him. There was like, I don't know, like Jonathan Davis from Corn. Do you know anybody that sounds like him? <laughs> like, I don't know. There, There's just so many standout, like strange, abrasive voices. And I think that that played a lot into why they got so huge, because it was almost you couldn't ignore it.
0: Yeah, I think that one of the strange things with grunge kind of becoming like a monolith in kind of rock culture is that with someone like S- and Pumpkins, I feel like there was a lot of, I don't know, now I'm, because I was just thinking of Soundgarden, <laughs> like, but I was like, I feel like it's like, it's so not grunge, even as much as like Soundgarden kind of isn't mm. too but they were kind of stuck with it somehow smashing pumpkins was able to kind of like exist outside of it yet with it. And I think people wanted the grandiosity. Like it's like, like hair bands didn't die because you know, people didn't like it. It's like the culture kind of shifted Mm -hmm. in ways. So I think people wanted like big people still do like big bloated music. Like this is a testament to that, you know, like, I feel like, like like Nirvana's and like Mudhoney's kind of came in and people were like we don't want that anymore. Like we don't want like long songs and long records, but I'm like clearly that must not be the case if this record is like like 4 times platinum or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like there was a big hole I feel like left in music because of grunge being everything, you know. Mhm. So yeah. I'm guessing that's why Smashing Pumpkins was such a big success. Yeah,
1: that that makes sense. The one one of the last, you know, true to form, glam rock bands, if you will.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know, because it's it is wild to think about like how extremely popular this band is, and like how, when you're thinking about things on like a uh, recording standpoint, just how strange it. This is a weird record. Like,
1: <laughs> Recording-wise?
0: Like, Recording-wise, yeah. like, it... There are so many times where there's not... There's a thing we expect Billy Corgan to do, but even the record can't really decide on, like, what version of Billy Corgan they want to put out.
1: Oh, yeah. You and know? that's so cool to me. Like, that... And again, yeah. going back to the, let's like, just record everything and, you know, throw it all at the wall and see what sticks. Like... There are tracks where, you know, there's there's a lot of voices. There's some that probably, they sound like they were cut live with, like, yeah. this microphone that I'm holding right now, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, there's so many different versions. I feel like it covers the entirety of his emotional spectrum, <laughs> you know.
0: Yeah, I, I feel, what's what's interesting, I feel like records as we know them now, you kind of will know the different ranges like somebody can hit, but like there are certain things where like they put on an effect, like Mm -hmm. the whole song for him, you know, or it's like it feels like mixed so much higher than the last song. Mm -hmm. Like overall, this is a well-mixed record, but it's like... Sort of. (laughs) Yeah, kind of. It's like, it's that's what's so weird about it. It's like with working with Butch Vig previously... I feel like there's like a continuity in everything that kind of like makes sense with a lot of his records. Like he definitely was making. I feel like Butch Vig makes records that can exist in a mainstream. But with this, I'm like the length of it, the kind of strange choices, and then like you know, there's songs that kind of just fall apart and don't really finish. Like I can't. It's kind of like <laughs> later on. It I don't think it's stumbling, but there's just kind of almost, like, not half songs in a way that, like, Guided by Voices would do, but there's a couple tracks that just kind of, like, sort of finish. Yeah. (laughs) They don't have, like, a grand finish, and it's, like, I guess a lot of that was, well, Billy, but also Flood, Mm -hmm. you know? So, Mm -hmm. I don't know, just very strange choices for a record that is so popular, and do you think when people... When people pick this as their favorite record, clearly you've spent the time with it. Do you think a lot of them have, like, revisited it?
1: You know, that's that's hard to say. I find myself um, still professing that some bands are my favorite bands, and then I, I go back and listen to the record, and I'm like, wait a minute, no, no, no. Like, did, did I, did I say this was my favorite band? No, (laughs) just forget. I said that, um, but I, I think this is a record that, that really just kind of sticks with you, even if you don't want it to, (laughs) yeah, you know, like if, if you put the time in as, you know, in your formative years, like I, I think it still rewards you in in your adult years. <laughs> like it does that make any sense? I don't know if I'm no, that totally
0: this. makes sense. And I feel like I can think of like records in my life that are this for me, you know. But like, and it's it's almost just sheer fact of how much time I put in. I was able to invest into it. But with all the songs that are on this, you know, it's like when people are like, "Oh, I you know I like tonight tonight," and I'm like, "Sure, it's a great song." You know, like undeniably, but then I'm like, have you re-listened to like, "fuck you" and "Ode to No One," you know, <laughs> or something? You know, like just to kind of pick one out of the lineup, you know,
1: uh, like have you revisited track 18 in the Arms of Sleep? You know, yeah, I, I you know, I can't say that I've that particular one I've revisited. There, <laughs> there, there are some go-to's, and and I will say this too: some of this stuff I go back. I listen to it and it makes me like I'm still enthralled by it, but it does make me feel uncomfortable, you Mm -hmm. know, because like some of the lyrical content. Yeah. As an adult, it like hits me a little harder. I'm like, fuck, man, like this guy is (laughs) he's so sad and he's so angry and he's so like he's saying some mean shit, (laughs) you know, that if somebody said this to me, I'd be like, dude, you're insane. Fuck you. (laughs) Yeah. Like, don't ever say that again, (laughs) you know. So in that way, like it's, it's, it's one of those uh, like separating the artist from the art dilemmas. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's the most trouble I have with this record and the most trouble I have with Smashing Pumpkins in general.
0: Well, do you feel like, do you, when you listen to this record, like those kind of parts that I will say, I feel like being like somebody that's like a, big fan of Black Flag really up until they did the reunion stuff and then it made it hard to admit to that. You know? But there's time you know, with listening to Black Flag, like there's songs that are just the worst <laughs> songs. You know, but it's like I'm just like, nah man, it's good, you know, kind of thing. Uh so so it's like I understand these kind of feelings, you know, like when you have these kind of deep cut bands that kind of have records that go on too long or put out too many records in a year. But I I don't know it's I'm I'm trying to like think of what I'm trying to say honestly like, It's just like
1: what's a Black Flag song that is the worst that, that Rat's Eyes okay I I'm not too familiar <laughs> with the Black Flag catalog so you're gonna have to explain that one to me
0: <laughs> so I have an aversion to kind of any song that employs whispering in it <laughs> okay like and that is one. Um, I I don't know. I feel like I want to remember what, I mean, like Billy Corrigan and Henry Rollins, I feel like aren't super known for like their amazing lyrics. You know, <laughs> like it's like with a uh, rat's eyes. It's like the song is I wear rat shoes. I pay rats dues. I make rats moves. I sing rats blues, you know? <laughs> and then the chorus essentially is just rats eyes, rats eyes, okay. but like this kind of whisper kind of thing. Oh, weird. You know, like, And I think that's probably what I was meaning to get to. It's just kind of like, I don't want to shit on this record for having bad lyrics because I'd be calling into question (laughs) so many things that I like. You know? But, like, it's interesting with him because there was, like, an interview uh, I listened to where it's, like, he, he, he wanted to write this record from, like, essentially, I guess, a viewpoint of, a younger person, which has been done like so many times, you yeah. know, like, I mean, that's blink 182. True. So, you know, whatever. Um, But it is still interesting, kind of like, as I'm in my 30s, looking back at a, a person that's like, writing from the vantage point of a 15 year old when you're like 30 mm-hmm. is really weird, you know, and I wish I had a more poetic way to put that. But
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's weird for sure, and maybe it's just not genuine. I don't know. I guess it depends on what like was going on with you when you were that young. Mm-hmm. You know, like the the Blink One Eighty Two stuff is like you know it's pretty surface level, like yeah. you know high school shit. Um, I can't. I have no idea about the the Black Flag, uh, lyrical content. But I don't know. I mean, I'm in a band called Teenage Wrist, so I can't. Like, we don't yeah. we don't write about like when I uh, you know we were teenagers, but it is admittedly weird that like you know here I am in my thirties and you know we the, the the name of that band is still, you know it's it's an ode to nostalgia, you know. Yeah. So I don't know. I think at some point, um. I just I have to let go of, of <laughs> any, <laughs> like, especially with bad lyrics, because mm-hmm. there are so many nuggets of genius even in the bad lyrics, and so, it, like, surrounding the bad lyrics, like, you know, bad lyric, bad lyric, and then there's there's one thing that's, like, really fucking poetic and, yeah. and just hits it right on the head, and that makes up for all the other bullshit.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's this... there's this like one interview with someone in like the Melvins and someone's asking them like, what does this lyric mean? And he's like, I don't know. It just (laughs) sounds cool. Like, and it's like, I mean, a lot of this does sound cool. So it's like, I, I, I wouldn't care. That's like the weird thing of kind of going to something that has a critical, like kind of coming at this record from a critical lens isn't technically giving this record a fair shake because I think as 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 a kid or someone that wants to be there, you know, it'd be like going to a comedy show and just being like, make me laugh, motherfucker. Like, it's just <laughs> like you're like you you technically should have gone there to enjoy yourself. Right. You know, so me going at Smashing Pumpkins being like, make me enjoy this Billy Corgan. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, I mean, you're kind of already out.
1: That's kind of how I feel about music journalism and music criticism in general. <laughs> it's yeah. like really you're gonna listen to this not because you know you're being introduced to it more like because you have the intention of finding the flaws you know mm-hmm. or analyzing it at a level that maybe it wasn't supposed to be analyzed at at yeah. all <laughs> so yeah i don't know
0: i feel i mean it's like i wouldn't correlate Smash and pumpkins to an adam sandler movie but like <laughs> You know, it's kind of like when you watch an Adam Sandler movie, you can't, like, rate it in the same way that you, like, most of them. Like, let's say, like, Hubie Halloween or something. Like, you shouldn't critically think about it in the same way you would, I don't know, like fucking Godfather or something. Right. You know, like, it's it's not meant to be thought of that way. It'd be like going into a horror movie, which might be closer to Smash and Pumpkins, uh, you know, and kind of being like, well, I don't think it was as good as, Blah blah blah, you know, like a Criterion movie.
1: Yeah,
0: you know, like you're supposed to enjoy it on a different, way different level. Mm-hmm. To, I'm saying this to the credit of Smash from Pumpkins. You
1: know? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I. The what's what's his name from the Melvins? I I always.
0: uh King Buzz King Buzzo.
1: Yeah. Buzz Osborne. I mean that right? that yeah that really resonates with me because, like, as a musician. You know, we spend so much time, like, scatting nonsense into a microphone trying to come up with a melody, you know, and melody is king, really. Sometimes it doesn't matter what the hell you're saying. I mean, that so much of this with the Beatles, you know, if if we want to cite, you know, the biggest rock bands in the world doing this exact same thing, um... Sometimes the, the nonsense that you spit out just to get the melody down on tape sticks, you know, yeah. and sometimes it doesn't have to mean anything. And sometimes it's objectively bad, <laughs> but yeah. it sounds cool and it, it, it gets cemented in your head, you know, as the thing that you've, you've said. And, and now, you know, now it's permanent. Yeah. So to change it would be to, you know, almost try too hard.
0: Yeah. Like, I feel like it's like, I don't know, some guy in a record store, like, I don't know, or a professor in a college. It's like, there are straight up just papers written about like, what does I am the walrus mean? (laughs) Yeah. But like, for some reason, you know, and I know this sounds conflicting because I've already kind of hated on this record in some degree, but it's like, we, we don't like, if you're going to do that for I am the walrus, like, then you should one probably do it for something and smashing pumpkins. Like it's like, but I feel like people kind of give like the Beatles a pass. Like it's like some, but I feel like anyone, the Beatles would be like, no, we were just saying bullshit. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I think in some way it's like, we should respect the art as it was meant to exist, which can be a complicated thing. And like, we also shouldn't like think too hard about it. We should just try and enjoy it. You know? Shit. So it's, kind of hard to do both i guess
1: it is it's it's got to be an instinctive response to that kind of stuff it like the uh what is it like the law of disgust or something like if, if it hits you and immediately you feel disgust then it's bad like don't yeah don't go any further you know don't explore that um and that that's how i try to approach music these days like there was i spent so much of my life you know doing exactly that like going in and being like this lyric sucks like or you know, there there's no melody in this song, or you know, and and just stupid, uh, objective reasons why I shouldn't like something. And if you spend too much time doing that with Smashing Pumpkins, y- you know, it's <laughs> you're you're not gonna win. Like yeah, you're, you're I, not gonna what enjoy I like, it.
0: <laughs> what I like doing um, is so in the past few years when I've kind of told myself, like, I feel like Aerosmith is always like the butt of all of my jokes for rock music. And then at one day I was just like, why don't I just like try and make a playlist of all the songs that I feel like are good. And then eventually like the playlist had like 20 songs. And I was like, someone can easily be like Aerosmith is a bad band, but 20 songs. (laughs) They it's
1: a lot of songs. 20 smash songs, you know. It <laughs> can't be wrong.
0: Yeah, and I'm, I, I know I could easily do that with smash and Pumpkins. Yeah. Like, I'd probably even get, like, 30 songs. Like, there are a, a lot of good songs, and the good songs are really good, you know. So, so I don't know. I, I feel like that's, like, a fun experiment to do. Like, if I'm trying to recontextualize things, like, kind of, like, skim through it because sometimes... Things will hit you early, mm-hmm. you know, and then try and see what sticks, you know. And then eventually you might be like, oh, because like if someone were like Metallica is a bad band and I was like, I well, I love Metallica. I feel like in my head, I think of an era that I like and then I'm like, you can't really fuck with it. yeah, <laughs> But then I think of like. Well, for me, Saint Anger, and then later, and I'm like, well, I can't really deny that you would think they're a bad band because there's (laughs) a lot that you could prove your point on. There's even probably I don't actually, you know, I I said kind of this going as hater. I don't know if there's really anything on this record that I would just be like, that is the worst shit I've ever heard. (laughs) I just feel like it's too much. Like it's like, you know, but so that's where it's even more complicated with like how I feel about Smash and Pumpkins because. I don't think they're like bad on that level that Metallica is, or maybe I just haven't <laughs> listened to enough. Smash you you haven't
1: listened to uh, a lot of the later stuff. And yeah, This, I have this not is at the all. the you know the the curse of the the band that you know maybe should have broken up the first time they broke up. <laughs> I don't know, and and I hate to say that because like the it's all this you know all that stuff is so important to me, and if if I were in that position and somebody told me that. I tell them to go fuck themselves. Yeah, you know, for sure. like I'm going to make the records that I want to make and I'm going to continue doing it for as long as I possibly can. You know. Yeah. But yeah, eventually you do just lose the plot. I can't think of a single artist that has a flawless catalog front to back unless yeah. unless they were only around for you know, 5 years.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean I sometimes I I think like dinosaur junior, but even the newer records that um, they're starting, they're kind of like in a groove now with their reunion records that I'm like, they're kind of all the same mm-hmm. at this point, but none of them are like bad. Yeah, It's just like, I've stopped being like, so that's close as I can think of or like something like neurosis or something yeah. like that. And if it just keeps you know? doing
1: the same thing, it doesn't hit you the same way because you know, they're not necessarily, you know, pushing, their boundaries as artists, but you've changed so much as a person. Yeah. So, you know, the, the same old thing isn't going to really hit all the same nerves.
0: But do you feel like you were doing that with Smash uh, smashing pumpkin? So let's say if this was your first record, did this, did it influence you to like pick up other stuff?
1: Um, you know, my, my music taste was so, all over the place at that time. I wouldn't say that it introduced me to anything else. You know, I wasn't like, oh, Smashing Pumpkins is, is this kind of rock band. I need to listen to more of this. Yeah. It, it wasn't really that. It was more just like what my friends were turning me on to and what I was mm-hmm. seeing on MTV and hearing on the radio and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Because I, th- there were like, usually the experiment with this podcast is to make it easy on people coming on, I'll say pick three records. Cause mm-hmm. it's like, if someone were like pick one of your favorite record, I feel like I would break down, you know? Uh, so like thinking about like one of the other ones you picked was tool. Mm-hmm. So did you, do you feel like you had a similar experience getting into tool?
1: Um, similar. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. Completely. I mean, it, it didn't, um, musically inform me as much as the pumpkin stuff did but i i did go just as deep on that one Mm. you know like i i went deep into their uh you know all the occult rumors and affiliations they had and and like i mean the whole package was just like mind-blowing to me as a 12 year old like you you know that you open the package and it's a hologram of a dude sucking his own dick Like, (laughs) like, I don't know that, that to me is just forever, you know, it's, it's not going away. So it, it, (laughs) that, that, that band as a whole, I think did put quite a stamp on me, but not as much as the pumpkins did. And they, you know, they can kind of live in the same world though. I think
0: people, people seem to be fans of them in the same way that I think annoys me in a way that I can't, I almost can't. I feel like for a long time I haven't been able to take the band on its face value, because of how rabid the fans. Oh, seem they're to the be. worst. Yeah, it's like being in a Grateful Dead. You know, yeah, like it's like, you know, it's the same kind of like this is the only band that matters to me.
1: Yes, it's incredibly <laughs> annoying. I I, yeah. that, I think most of the bands that I actually you know revere to that degree have that kind of fan base. <laughs> yeah, like the other record I picked was Three Eleven. For and it, for it totally this has that. And yeah, they yeah. have the same fan base. They're just like insufferable stoners. I mean, don't get me wrong. They're like obviously a lot of, you know, amazing people. And, and I, I totally fit in with so many of them. But like I, we just spent the, the summer on tour with them. And, you know, a lot of deadheads out there, a lot of a lot of white dreads and, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, uh, yeah, people who are just pigeonhole obsessed yeah.
0: Yeah. So, what do you think the if you were to kind of like paint a caricature picture of yourself at like 12, what type of kid was this? <laughs> um, I for
1: sure had uh some spikes on my head, gelled, gelled spikes, possibly frosted tips. Um probably was wearing a tool shirt. Uh, I had these orange old navy cargo pants that were also like tearaways at the bottom. So you could, ah, so cool. You yeah, could yeah. you could, like, yeah, you could convert them into shorts <laughs> at, yeah, yeah, at a moment's notice. That was like my favorite pair of pants. They're bright orange and skate shoes. And just like, just really struggling to figure out why I wasn't hanging out with cool kids <laughs> so do you remember that or you maybe have
0: like seen it kind of as a meme uh there is an episode of home improvement where one of the uh sons become like new metal <laughs> <laughs> no I didn't. like yeah um I'll, I'll try and send you a picture of it um but basically or just just basically anyone listening just google uh I guess new metal home improvement <laughs> it'll probably pull out the picture but essentially it's like like, would you even have, looking back, would you be like, I was a new metal kid, or it wasn't even that, like, in I, a lane?
1: Yeah, I, I wasn't really in a lane. I just, I, I looked I like an identity crisis, I think, probably. <laughs> and that's exactly what it was because I was trying to hang out with some of the cool kids, but also, you know, I was the only one in that group that listened to Corn and Lint Biscuit and, you know, et cetera. And, you know, none of the girls liked me because I wasn't, you know, like fashionably, uh, you know, too, uh, inspiring (laughs) or, or, yeah, I I feel like,
0: like looking back at like what, and maybe people that, so I think we're probably sort of around the same age. So I, I feel like maybe kids still do this, but I, I feel like it's like my identity fashion wise seemed like it was based essentially just what I had in, in my, drawers already like it's like (laughs) it's like I looked at somebody and then I go I think I can do that with this and then so it's like I liked pop punk but I feel like I wasn't completely like lane one lane two like I wanted to pick from one lane or the other you know like I was into like heavier music but I was like I think I could like I have this really tight like light blue Mickey Mouse shirt that's like old school (laughs) Mickey Mouse I can wear like Chuck Taylors with it and then I can sort of look like I'm like you know, kind of into the Riverdales or like <laughs> social distortion kind of kid, you know? Yeah. Because that's just what I already have. So it almost, there's probably a little bit of that going on. It's like, I can kind of land close to this kind of person.
1: Yeah, you know, you're you're really working what you with what are. you've got. <laughs> <laughs> For yeah. For sure. Which which makes me wonder how, like, you know, the, like you say, the pop punk fashion. Like, how did, how did that evolve? Like, people didn't make that choice. They were working with what they had. Yeah. You know, and it's just this endless, like, feedback loop of kids making terrible fashion decisions. (laughs) And now it's back. Like, I see so many kids now just, like, looking like they're straight out of the early 2000s. Yeah. And I'm like, how is, why do you think this is a good idea? (laughs) Do you feel like, uh, so with some of those kind of
0: fashion choices, it's like, do you feel like you kind of never stopped? And then, so if it's like back, it's funny to see a cycle of like an age that it's like, well, that's the way I dressed,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know. So then now that it's back, it's like, well, I guess I'll pull this back out again. So, do you feel like, like, I feel like there was a point where I stopped buying like what, like Levi's 511s and like went little looser again you know? yeah like do you feel like there was a conscious point now as an adult or like oh okay i guess i'll
1: start i'll kind of meet you halfway you know for me now it's <laughs> it's function over fashion yeah like for the most part you know i i mean today i'm rocking a band t-shirt and these horrible yellow shorts that you can't see and 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 i'm gonna go out in the world like this today because i don't want to break out my two or three decent outfits, you know, I don't even know what they are anymore. It's, uh, I'm still kind of working with what I have here. Like I just buy things on a whim and I don't know if they're going to work. And some of them are throwbacks to the early 2000s. Like I bought this, this pair of, um, red corduroys that are essentially Jinkos Cause I was, I was feeling, you know, inspired to do so. And, but I, I can never, ever wear them. Cause it's too fucking hot, and they're ridiculous, and they don't go with any of my things. Are they like big cords? They're they're pretty big. Yeah, yeah. and and they're not like the um like the the thirty inch one leg kind of thing where it's like i you know I could carry a skateboard in the back pocket, but they're you know they're they're baggy. Like they're definitely not a normal piece of clothing. So I have a few of those numbers, but mostly I just, like, you know, what whatever can make me, like, look like I'm an adult, but also I have an identity, <laughs> you know? Yeah, 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 like, yeah. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's like whenever I, I have, like, younger friends that are just like, oh, we don't they, – they'll, like, es- essentially be like, people don't wear those type of pants anymore you know and i'm like dude i'm in my 30s like i can't meet you all the way there with yeah. it you know like yeah also you know, who but gives a shit yeah. like
1: at this point it's you got to make yourself happy you know yeah like fuck like at in in your 30s fashion doesn't matter anymore yeah like what, what i
0: i was uh, i wore like running shoes to like a show and my wife was like, don't start doing that, you know? <laughs> but I was like, man, my feet are going to be, like, killing me if yeah. I just, like, wear Vans or something. Like, you know, it's like, it's... So I get it when, like, you see, like, the dad wearing, like, white New Balances, you know, like the Decades, I think. No, Decades that's, are the Nikes. That's, the,
1: that's me. The cult like, Nikes. I went and bought yeah. New Balances, like, several months ago, and I... They're looking pretty cool now. They look pretty cool. And, yeah, I couldn't be happier. It's, it's much better than me rocking my Doc Martin platform boots all the time. Yeah. Those come out for special occasions. Uh, and I still do have those, and I still love them. But, uh, you know, I'm not showing up to a thing every day where I have to look cool. And so my my desire to look cool has really diminished.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess I uh, think uh, I'm kind of looking at the things I did want to kind of ask you about. Like about, uh, did you ever get into Zwan?
1: No. Okay. No, nope, hated Zwan. To, yeah. to me, that was a budget version of the Pumpkins, and it was just after they broke up, and I was not having it.
0: Have you ever met anyone that's like, Zwan is the best? No. Yeah.
1: Not a single person.
0: Uh, I feel like the thing, like when you look into like who's in the band, which is really still most of the Pumpkins, like I've seen people be like, well, it's got the guy from Slant in it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's not really enough, <laughs> you know, like, and um, I, another kind of question, like when you mentioned kind of the, you know, the art versus the artist of Billy Corgan, I I think actually I read an interview where someone asked you all about Billy Corgan. So, you know, you were like, ah, uh, you know, don't remind me kind of thing, yeah. you know, like the. Like, do you think Billy Corgan was kind of always prison planet kind of guy? I don't know if you know what that means. I don't like know the, what that means, actually. So it was like early Alex Jones kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, okay. Uh, all right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, that actually, was the someone... thing that put
1: me over the edge, by the way. I was like, all right, dude, I, I can't <laughs> anymore with you if you're going to go on Alex Jones. Like, I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> yeah. Anyway. I, I don't know. I was kind of, I always try and wonder, and there's really no answer to this, but it's like, Were people like Billy always like that? Or did something kind of change them along the way? You know... (laughs) Is what I always wonder.
1: I think that probably the foundation was laid early. You know, but but, uh, people like that... And and I'm speaking, you know, in, in, in pretty general terms. But, like, so many people artists that i love people in my own life um over the past two years have really you know come out as these kinds of people gone off the rails like like lizard people and and (laughs) pizza gate and and QAnon and all this kind of shit and i'm like where did this come from were you always this person so yeah i mean i've been thinking about that too but uh I think it really says something about um, like the kind of trauma that people go through. Yeah. You know, or or how they were raised. Um, You know, just, just what kind of awful shit has happened to them in their lives or how lonely they feel, you know, because whenever that tends to happen, I I I think it's just because they're, grasping for some sense of control or um some sort of community even, you mm-hmm. know and 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 some kind of platform to stand on and feel powerful and opinionated and so I, I I don't think that it had to go that way. You know what I mean? No. Yeah. Like I think for example, had you know, Billy Corgan put some of his demons to rest or whatever probably couldn't have gone that you know he, he didn't have to go on alex jones and become a total fucking head case
0: yeah yeah, <laughs> if yeah it was always I, in there you know i hope it doesn't sound like i'm like sympathizing with that kind of way but sometimes it's like i see myself in them because i feel like the traumas i had growing up like the way that he talks in songs like if if i had been your age and i really went into the pumpkins i am for sure i would have liked it mm-hmm. like without a question like it would have just spoken to me in a way that was like everything I was feeling. Yeah. So I felt like when a lot of that kind of culture started building up, like there was a point where it's like, I feel like culture didn't really know what to do with Alex Jones. Like it was, it was, to me, it felt like it was like a different thing. It was almost a counterculture thing mm-hmm. at a certain time frame. Totally. <laughs> you know, and then it's kind of like, a lot of people I knew kind of dabbled in it and talked about it. And we kind of laughed about it or, you know, like, did you hear about this? Mm-hmm. And then eventually it just kind of went real evil. And then I think <laughs> a lot of us kind of did work on ourselves, and, you know, yeah. and like, it's kind of around the time that probably people our age stopped being like edgelords or either you just became an edgelord. So maybe that's the split. <laughs> Cause I think there was a point where I was like, Oh, my actions hurt other people, <laughs> you know? and then so i was like oh yeah okay so there's a lot kind of built into this thing that i shouldn't you know and people like billy corgan like you know if we're kind of putting it in a general sense they just kept kind of going down that road you know
1: yeah you know and i don't know this is going to sound awful but as far as we know he hasn't done anything terrible You know, Mm -hmm. he's, he's, he's said some pretty awful shit. Like, you know, he's been openly anti-transgender. He's, you know, all all, all sorts of other, (laughs) like, I don't want to go into it all. And, and that's, you know, but like, you gotta wonder if like, it's, it's, that to me screams like he fucking hates himself, you know? And that, that's, that's what I see now. And every person that does that, every person that lashes out like that, like just really, really, like they don't, they're not even lashing out at anyone else. They're just lashing out at themselves because of some guilt or some shame or, or something that they can't reckon with. You know, so, yeah, I i don't know. I that, I, th- yeah. I think that that's... that's where it comes from and, and the tipping point is how you deal with it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I felt that like I could, Like, growing up, like, I never super got into Marilyn Manson. Uh, You know, there was, like, a point where I feel like it's, like, friends of mine that got into Mm him. I was like, but y'all don't like laughing at all anymore? You know, kind of like there was a point where I felt like I had to, like, jump off of it, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, and so it's, like, it's hard for me whenever kind of people put on this, like, face or this bit, but then they never, like, abandon it. That's what I think about with, like, you know kind of these things i've heard about billy corgan it's almost like a character they've created Mm -hmm. to protect themselves from the world but then eventually they just kind of fully become the character yeah you know it's a wrestling thing and i know he is a wrestling guy so it's like (laughs) they kind of stop forgetting that they created this thing to fix try and fix them Mm -hmm. you know it feels like an action star it's like at some point like it's like Sylvester Stallone just started believing he was Rambo, you know. But <laughs> some point before that, I think he was like a person that had like nuanced views on things. But eventually, you're just like, "No, I'm the singer of
1: Smash and Pumpkins, the character." <laughs> yeah, <You know? laughs> hard, hard to say. Hard to say with Billy because uh, I don't know. He he seems a little bit more down to earth. I think in in a weird way, and I, I don't mean that to say he's not completely egotistical and full of himself and in general, kind of a you know, crazy person. He did put out a. But a he's not double out. He's not. <laughs> yeah, but he's not Sorry. Marilyn Manson, you know. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. He's not Rambo. <laughs> yeah, he's not like, <laughs> <laughs> like he's a little bit more relatable than that. And I, I honestly don't completely disagree with some of the stuff that he says. You know, uh, but yeah, definitely, um, the level of success and fame that you achieve i think plays a lot into that like if he was just a normal guy and then didn't end up being a fucking rock star then you know i'm i'm sure that character would have broken off somewhere yeah
0: i always try and think about like if you could envision what billy corgan would be if he didn't have smashing pumpkins
1: i think about that all the time with tom DeLong. <laughs> like had had blink 182 not totally popped off i think he probably would have just ended up working at the van store and climbing the ladder or something and, <laughs> and and i don't know if they you know the whole uh aliens thing would have come around as 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 much as it did you know that's another one i'm like is this a character or is, th- is this like something you truly you know believe Happened and it's like your identity now,
0: yeah, yeah. It feels like there's a point in people's lives. Maybe I'm at the precipice of it. It's like you kind of find a shtick and then you just kind of go with it and then you die. But you know, it's <laughs> like, like, it's like Tom DeLonge It's just like, I guess I'll do aliens, yeah, <laughs> you know, like, uh, and then I, it's like Billy Corgan was like, I guess I'll just be an InfoWars guy, yeah. you know, like, it's like. You know, it's like people that are like, I guess I'll just be a fedora guy. You know, like, (laughs) it seems fine. You know,
1: it's fine. Some people like it, you know. Yeah. You know, fuck everyone else.
0: (laughs) I think when I fully understood, because anytime someone would say art versus the artist, I would kind of like giggle to myself in a way or whatever. And then kind of be like, the next thing that person was going to say was going to be cringe. But. There was a moment a few years ago, because I never really considered myself a big Smiths guy. Mm -hmm. It's just, for some reason, it just didn't click, like we were saying. And then uh, I was like riding in a work van, and it just clicked. But it was like recent enough that it's like he is full on shitty Morrissey. And I had this moment where I was like, why the fuck does it have to be now? Like, I had all these years. To sort of, like, be in that weird gray area (laughs) that I could just be a Smiths fan. And now I'm a Smiths fan on the other side of it.
1: Well, yeah, we have to live with the shame now of being Smiths fans and Smashing Pumpkins fans and Marilyn Manson fans. Like, fuck, man. (laughs) It's, It's so difficult to just completely separate like an important part of your identity and your childhood and your musical, like, you know, conception at d- just because, you know, somebody said something shitty. Yeah. You know, or, you know, like Kanye West is another good example of that. I'm like, I, yeah. I think he's, he's batshit, you know, and, and sometimes in a good way, sometimes in a terrible way, he's, he's said some stupid shit and he's done, you know, horrible things, but, you know, I just it's he, the some of that music is just too important to me to
0: What's funny, I feel like okay, it's so It's totally selfish. kind of Yeah, kind of recently I did an episode, a Kanye West episode. And going into it, I kind of had the same thing. But by the end of uh that Kanye West record, like I feel like I was able to uh
1: Which uh, record uh, was it?
0: Uh why am I forgetting? <laughs> it was like uh the one with Gold Digger on it. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. College Dropout. Right. Uh late uh, registration. Sorry, yes, <laughs> they all had college themes. On yeah, that point. Um, but I was like, no, this is like an amazing record, you know. And uh, so I feel like I'm, a, I kind of gotta apologize to you in a way <laughs> because I'm like, <laughs> for as much grace by the end of that that I gave Kanye West, I'm not able to do that for Billy Corgan. And technically, Kanye West has probably done a lot of shittier things on culture than Billy Corgan
1: has. <laughs> if you were to stack them well cuz cause, cause Kanye West remains hyper relevant somehow yeah <laughs> billy corgan yeah. is just a meme now you know
0: yeah so it's like so yeah i'll say i apologize for not <laughs> giving that kind of space that i did kanye west you know i you know um, it's i i, I apologize to billy <laughs> <laughs> i don't
1: think he cares no he doesn't you, you yeah. got to appreciate that level of of uh you know, confidence, though, and, and not giving a fuck. Like, that's that's actually something I really do admire about him in an artistic sense. Like, just kind of unwavering, you know, sticks to his vision, like, continues to evolve. Like, every single record they ever did was wildly different than the last. Mm-hmm. and And just, like, you know, sonically... I don't know, they had so many phases and they were all really cool. Uh, So, you know, just the fact that that he's able to, you know, commit to the art that he wants to do with no apologies. Like, I I envy that. I I love that about him.
0: And I feel like I'm like, I know what we were talking about at first, and then I'm like, wait, are we talking about Billy or Kanye? (laughs) Yeah, you know, like I feel like I'm like both. Wait, I which guess. one? Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Well, I want. Do you think that Smashing and Pumpkins have the ability to, like, come out with like a good course correcting record? Oh man. Because I say that because the thought in my head was, as far out there as Kanye gets, I. <laughs> For some reason, and I'm not even like a big Kanye fan. I'm not even really a Kanye fan. I feel like Kanye will correct mm. and like kind of make a good record, like an undeniable good record. I know people were like, "No, you got to actually spend time shit, with Donda." Man. I mean, but
1: yeah, you know. a lot of people I think would say that Donda was a a course correcting record. You know, <laughs> I I heard the first couple of tracks and I was like, "Oh shit, he's back!" And then you know, and then I just stopped listening to it.
0: I think it's like two hours long. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: it's too much for my my you know, streaming, thirty five year old ADD musical mind to ingest right now. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I I lost track of what we were talking about now.
0: <laughs> no, I think I was. It was the question was really just like, does Smashing Pumpkins oh, have it in they, them yeah. too?
1: Uh You know, I I would like to believe that about anybody. You know, yeah. I, I think that, uh, you know, everybody deserves the opportunity to correct themselves. Yeah, I think that people can be a little bit too unforgiving, especially with artists, because, you know, you you say and do all these terrible things and they're on permanent record and that becomes your personality. So you have to lean into it. And then it's, it's almost like there's no going back. But you ha- like, you know, depending on what you've done or what you've said, obviously, there are things that are way the fuck over the line that you can't come back from. But when 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 people say that about like the art of it, like I just I just don't buy that. I I think that they they've probably got it somewhere deep down in them. And even like, you know, his social commentary or whatever, like I I feel like I feel like they could course correct. I feel like he could, you know. It's that hope that keeps me hanging on <laughs> to to the fandom. It's strange that I know that's like a normal thing to say
0: now, but it's like it's strange that we're most people just kind of watch whatever <laughs> movie they want. You know, I know there's like things like Polanski's and stuff out there for a good reason, but like we still essentially people still watch Polanski movies. You know, mm-hmm. like and it. But the conversation that kind of happens with music, it's like straight and dumpster. You know, but it, it feels like with books or with movies, people are like. That's where they start getting collegiate and like, well, you have to understand that, (laughs) you know, and then but it's like just straight up Morrissey and dumpster, you know, (laughs) and then it's like, and it's like, we can't, you know, it's like, I'm I want, you know, it's like, I want this way that we can talk about things that essentially, if you need to throw Billy Corgan in the dumpster, go right ahead. But like (laughs) Smashing Pumpkins has tracks. Yeah. You know, like, that's like the thing. It's like, Morrissey is a shitty person. Smiths are really good. You know? And I feel like we're kind of coming out of that, you know, yeah. some. And it's like, you know, I can't deny that I as a kid was. I was into early Marilyn Manson like I and, you know, it's like that I would be lying if I said I wasn't. You
1: know? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's tough now because but he's a piece of shit. Well, right. And the, the problem, like, I mean, that that I'm seeing right out of the gate here is that. Like, in order, unless you have the Marilyn Manson discography downloaded to your iTunes or on CD somehow in your car, like, listening to his music means you're supporting him. Yeah. You know, so you can't, you can't remove that anymore. It's like, yeah, it's kind of impossible not to now if I want to continue to enjoy that, you know, like, I'm not going to shows. I'm not buying records but if i want to hear it i have to stream it you know yeah so i don't know it's it's conflicting because the money goes straight into their pocket and i don't know same thing with like brand new like
0: that is a hard it is hard when you think about it on that level because it's like yeah i mean we could just like name bands it's like i liked ryan adams yeah but i don't (laughs) You know, I, anytime it kind of comes up on a thing, I'm like, I don't, yeah. you know, it's like tainted, yeah. you know, it's and tainted. I've had those things. I'm not like above it, you know, like I've, you know, it's like, I really liked, you know, and then I'm like, well, wait, can I still listen to Whiskey Town? Cause that's a band with Ryan Adams <laughs> with a bunch of other people. <laughs> and then I'm like, damn it. So I get it with like the brand new thing. And it's like, it's like, fuck, you know? And it's like, well, I'm not going, I mean, brand new is not playing, but it's like, I'm not giving Ryan Adams any money. Yeah. You know. And if you and had Ryan higher. Adams on CD
1: like you know, you could uh, uh, like theoretically, <laughs> you could enjoy that CD and not be supporting him. Yeah. You know, cuz you've already bought it. The money's already gone to him and, you know, now it's now it's yours. You own it. <laughs> it's no longer his. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah, I
0: mean it's fair. It's like when someone if someone were to come to me with any of those Complaints about an artist that I like, you know, uh, like uh, like I don't I don't like listen to No Effects a bunch now, but like Fat Mike has said really shitty things, you know, <laughs> like and it's like I feel like though it's like it's people are like, hey, you shouldn't support him. Like I don't know if I've really given Fat Mike money ever, honestly, <laughs> you know. But but it's a it's an understandable complaint. Yeah, like you know, it's like I can't be like, well, fuck you for having that complaint. It's like no, that's a valid concern. About someone's art, yeah. But it's like, how do we actually? When we get past that, point like, how do we actually navigate it?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? that's. I mean, I don't. I don't have the answer. I, yeah, there's no <laughs> answer to that. I, yeah. Because I'm, I'm really, I'm not ready to jump to. I'm never listening to this person again.
0: You yeah. Know, just, if y'all were listening for us, we thought we were gonna solve it. We can't solve it. No. But
1: yeah, you know, it's like,
0: I don't know the answer. No, no. It's complicated. Yeah.
1: It's very complicated.
0: But before I before I let you go, I know you're about to go into the studio. Um for a new record. Mm-hmm. Yep. A new full length? LP three. Would you will it be two hours long? Possibly.
1: Actually no, I, I don't think we've even written <laughs> like that much material to, to pluck from. I think we've probably written like twelve or thirteen songs and we'll probably use all of them. <laughs> so no, you're not in for a double disc.
0: Huh. Uh, well, I, I almost wish that it would have like. Well, we'll see what happens in the studio. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll uh, get, anything because I can't think of any bands like I guess I'll say like well, Inner Orbit that have done anything like this in recent years. Like, can you think of any like I don't know like within the past ten years records that are like this long? I mean that, that have been received like this.
1: Received like it? No, I I don't think so. I th- I mean when's the last time a record was received like this is my question. Like I'm, I'm super not in tune with like what's happening with modern hip hop. And I imagine that's going on all the time with hip hop, but with rock or anything remotely rock related, like, I don't know. I, I couldn't even tell you what the last critically acclaimed at that level record was and in the past 10 years i have no idea
0: yeah like i can't think of any and i mean maybe it it is kanye west maybe it's <laughs> yeah. the closest kanye west is like the analog i feel like with this example like this is the closest i can think of something that felt like it like grabbed hold of culture at that point you know um mm-hmm. uh, yeah, but I don't know. I, I think most hip-hop records, I feel like, aren't really over, like, 30 minutes in that way. You know, like, most records, like, don't feel like they go over, like, 45 nowadays.
1: Yeah, you know. yeah. And just the way that music's being released now, it, like, doesn't even really lend itself to records coming out and, and being this massive phenomenon, you know, because people just get to pick and choose the songs. And there are, you know, three to four singles released ahead of a, an album, and then the album comes out afterwards. And
0: yeah, kind of the next weekend. Yeah, people.
1: and and uh, yeah, and then they're like, okay, that was cool. Uh, I still love these four songs. It, it's almost like the rest of the record's not even there.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: You know. So, yeah, I, I I think the way that we're consuming music doesn't allow for it.
0: Yeah, but I wonder if even looking back into, like, melancholy. I would assume a bunch of people, because people do this with a lot of records, they were like buying it for essentially one song.
1: Mm. True, but
0: that was like the only way that you could have heard
1: that one song all the time. You know, that's true. But you had to, you had to still like kind of sit there and listen to the record to like get to it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I remember riding in the
0: car with my stepsister for like a year, and she wouldn't listen to anything other than Jay Z's Hard Knock Life. (laughs) Dope for like a year. Yeah, just it's because you know people just the would just song. <laughs> you just hit the button, you know the I don't know the repeat button, and you're just like hard knock life. All right, here we go. Again. You know, and then like it was felt like the next year, as a kid this could have been th- like two weeks later or something, but it felt like a year. It was uh "Sweet Home Alabama" by Leonard Skinner. Oh wow! And just over and over. one eighty. Was... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but then it was like one day I hit turned off the repeat button and then the next leonard skinner song came on and i was like not bad you know it's like but i just did i didn't want that you know it's like even with jay-z it's like jay-z was kind of the same way it's like i felt like i had that such an experience with that one song i didn't want to give jay-z a shot for a long time like well past the point now i'm like why would i get into jay-z now you know (laughs) But, you know, that it's such a strange thing. So I wish, like I've, I've been saying a bunch, I wish I had that moment that you did with Melancholy that I would have been able to kind of like sit there, draw or watch, a, you know, read a comic book or something and just take it in.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the beautiful thing about music though, right? It's all so like subjective and, you know, the, the, the all these records kind of find you at different times and some of them don't find you at all and then that, shapes the you know the way you consume art for the rest of your life like yeah i don't know (laughs) that's i i think that's really cool so don't don't feel sorry (laughs) yeah
0: and uh, before i truly let you go uh where can people find you online
1: oh we're all over the place uh teenagerist.com we're on instagram and twitter and probably facebook i don't know i deleted my facebook a while ago uh smart decision (laughs) teenagerist
0: Well, thank you for coming on. I super appreciate it, and thank you for taking the time. Of course, thank you. Welcome back. Thanks again to Marshall for coming on the pod. Please check out the newest Teenage Wrist album and stay tuned for the next one. Okay, next week we're talking with Pat Kenlin of the band's Drug Church, Self Defense Family, and so many other projects. So, more on that next week. Once again, don't forget to check out our Patreon, that's patreon.com slash pod. My co-host Sarah and I, we listen to records we liked a lot when we were younger and revisit them as much older and jaded individuals. You can subscribe for as little as $1 a month or more, and you'll get an exclusive episode every week. Follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram, at spinningoutpod. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave a comment, and I hear reviews definitely help. Thanks as always to Sarah Blumenthal for editing the pod, and pretty Maddie for the theme. Okay. See you next week.